0: This series can uh, can be rough at times, but uh, especially if you try it. <laughs> so we started a series called "I Quit," and uh, in this series, we've looked at the first week was "I Quit Making Excuses." That's it's time. It's time that we quit making excuses for ourselves about ourselves um, and anything like that. If I can get to podium. Um, then last week, we looked at, I quit complaining. I was, I was glad to hear a few of you have tried that. Because <laughs> sometimes that just happens, right? Well, today, I'm going to, uh, remember, what's the purpose of, of resolutions? My, somebody said, it, make us better. And so, um, the purpose for the resolutions, I had a pair of reading glasses somewhere. Um the purpose is to make us better. <laughs> Holy Spirit said this to me this week, Lana, and I thought about this as as you were telling us what all happened with Harvest House this week. Holy Spirit said our outlook will determine uh, our outcome. Your outlook will determine your outcome. Some, uh, some of us are in the place where we're in right now because our outlook has been totally skewed. It's been totally off base. And so we looked at, I quit making excuses. We've looked at, uh, I quit um, complaining. Today is something a little different. Today, are you ready? Renee, are you ready? Today, one of the things that I believe Holy Spirit wants us to quit just to be happier, because he he does care about that, is today we want to look at, as I quit being critical. (laughs) I quit being critical. Um, And I know nobody in here is critical. Uh, Folks, being critical is not healthy. Try this over here. Wait, you answer. Being critical is not healthy. Have you ever noticed a critical person is never happy? They're never happy. They, they, don't want, they wonder why nothing's going their way. Nothing seems to be going right. But every time somebody steps up and starts doing something and it starts going well, then they just want to, well, you know, I really wouldn't do it that way. And, <laughs> and I wonder in here how many of us are critical. Um, I would dare say at times, all of us. You know, we've been using the children of Israel as as our example. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And today, I know I'm I'm reading several different translations. Um, They're on the screen, I think. Kathy, I hope. I don't know what happened this week. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 and 12 from the Passion Translation says it this way. All the tests they endured... On their way through the wilderness. Are a symbolic picture. An example. That provides us with a warning. A warning. Somebody say warning. So that we can learn. Through what they experienced. That's why a lot of what you read. About the children of Israel. Is in there. Well why did God talk about that? So you and I would learn not to do. What they did. And um. So he said, "So it's an example for us." Says, "For we live in a time when the purpose of all the ages, past, is now completing its goal within us." So beware, if you think it can never happen to you, lest your pride become your downfall. So am I critical? This is a question I want us to ask ourselves today. Well, first I want you to look at the definition of critical. The definition of critical is inclined to find fault. Don't start thinking of your moms and your dads. (laughs) Your in-laws, whatever. A critical person, it just seems like they're just inclined to find fault. You could set a great big giant miracle down and then we could like, yeah. I don't like how it really came in <laughs> I don't really like how they did that so someone who's critical they're inclined to find fault or it means to judge with severity Friday night I was in a, I was in a service in, in Cleveland and the guy that was ministering he brought up uh, Eli and his two sons do you remember their names? Hophni and Phineas. Mm-hmm. You know, one of their names meant uh, pugilant. He was a fighter. The other of their names, and I think it was Phineas, his name meant judge or judgmental. And he was actually talking about how even within the church, you have the priests who are either given to fight or they're given to judgmentalism. And I wonder how much through all the church have we become this. We judge people with severity. And I love the rest of this definition, Brent. It says, dwelling on the perceived faults. In other words, what I think is wrong with them. It might not be wrong, but I think it's wrong. Oh, I would never do that. Did you hear what Rachel did? I don't know about you, but I would never do that. I would never tell that. We judge them based on, we dwell on their perceived thoughts without any regards to their good points. Now, if this sounds like you, you may be a little judgmental. You may be a little critical. Look at that. Back that up, Bobby. That verse, inclined to find fault or to judge With severity. (laughs) So we hear people say these little things. I'm the least judgmental person I know. (laughs) I'm not the judge. (laughs) I would have never done it that way. But I'm not the judge. Oh, 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 oh! hold up, hold up. Elizabeth, let me tell you how, how bad Danessa is. But I'm not telling you that so you can have, think bad of her, but now me and you have to get together and pray for her. Oh, yeah, it's okay. It's, go, it's okay. Go over here and tell Ocean. And, and we'll all three get, well, Ocean's over here going, what's going on? I said, well, let me tell you about Danessa. And now the three of us are over here. We're not gossiping. We're not being judgmental. We're not being critical. We're just concerned. We just want to make sure everything's okay. I know nobody in here does that. Or I pick up the phone. Because <laughs> nobody gets together anymore. Or I pick up the phone and I call Brenda and said, did you Alice? No. Well, here's what happened. I would have never done it that way. If she would have done it the way I told her, everything would be okay. But listen, I'm not being judgmental. I'm not trying to be critical with her. But let's pray. And next thing you know, there's a prayer chain. (laughs) There's a prayer chain that's went everywhere. And everybody's, now everybody, Alice walks into church next Sunday, and a hundred people look at her and go, "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. We look at her and we judge her with severity without any regards to her good points, And we all fall into this where we get so hung up on what's wrong with something, what's wrong with someone, that we never look at the good that can still come out of it, only that it doesn't fit my bill. Let me tell you one of the worst ones for it. Just keep looking straight ahead, nobody knows I'm talking about you. Facebook. We can criticize real good on Facebook, because nobody can say nothing to me. And if I don't like what you got to say, I'd see, folks, we have fallen into this thing where we're just so inclined to find fault. We, we, so we, we complain about everything. And then we were critical about how everything's done. And now you wander around and you notice this person's never happy. Why? Because they've not found anything good in any situation now. Everything's bad. It's all gloom, it's all doom, it's all despair, it's all what's going. On? And we just mask it by saying, I'm just concerned. Go, if you will, to Numbers chapter 12. We're going to read a lot out of Numbers 12 today. Numbers chapter 12, I'm reading out the New Living Translation, says this in verse 1. And while they went to Hazaroth, Mary and Aram criticized Moses. Because he married a Cushite Cushite woman, which was an Ethiopian. So here we find Moses out in in the wilderness, and he marries a woman who was not of his race, and the prophetess of Israel, who was Miriam, and the high priest of Israel now begin to criticize Moses because he made a choice to marry someone out of his race. I could stop right there and we could preach a whole other thing on this. But we won't. Verse 2. And the has the Lord spoken only through Moses, has spoken through us too? What's, the, what's those last four words? Five words? But the Lord heard them. Don't let us not ever think for a moment that when we fall in to criticizing, when we fall into judging someone severely without any knowledge of their good, whether we like what they've done or not, when we fall into that critical spirit, it's God who hears. She was a prophetess, and we'll show later on that it really started with her. She was she was a prophetess. He was the high priest. But they began to criticize. And listen, anytime you criticize somebody, what you really want to do is tear down the gifting and the calling of God on their life. Well, hasn't God talked to us too? He don't only talk to Moses. Let me tell you, not this church. But you see this in churches all the time. Pfft, who do you think he is? God speaks to me too. Why does he get to make the decisions? Oh, come on. You see, we got real quiet, Brent. Why do they get to make the decision? God talks to me too. God hears from me. Because we've never learned order and structure. Rachel and I sat in my office last week talking about people don't understand what actual submission is anymore. Not subservienthood but what submission authority. And so we hear all these critical things and, and, and they say, well, you know, I wouldn't have done it that way. And besides, he's not the only person God speaks through. Hey, do you remember when Jesus was in his own hometown? <laughs> and he started to do some miracles. And they said, wait a minute, man, I know you. Your daddy went to church with us. Your sisters are over here right now. You put your pants on one leg at a time or your robe on one arm at a time the way I do. Who do you think you are coming in here? And their critical attitude of that person actually developed an unbelief in their heart. Because they began to be critical of who he was. Oh, folks. But anyhow, let's go back to Moses. uh, Verse 3. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on the earth. A critical spirit will most likely always start with the person you are closest to. This was a brother and a sister. Let me, let me tell you something. I am not going to go over here and be critical of Bob's wife. But I will be critical of mine. Come on. Why? Because she's closest to me. I see her faults. I see the things. No, not my wife. She's perfect, but, you know. Um, But see, this critical attitude, this critical spirit, it always comes up to the person we're closest to. It always comes up to the person in immediate, direct spiritual authority in in our life. This is not going to get me a whole lot of... I'm glad y'all voted for me last week. (laughs) See, they were upset with Moses. They weren't upset with the Ethiopian woman. That's terrible. And besides, God doesn't speak to him alone. How many times have we known someone or seen someone and said, I don't know why they did it that way. Just straight ahead. I don't know why they did it that way. That is so wrong. That is so backward. That is so goofy. Why in the world? And all of a sudden, I find myself criticizing. Well, there's something that happens in being critical. We've been in conversation. We make these kind of statements. But we say them, you know, in whispered tones where nobody listens except the one we're talking to. Can you believe that? So here's Mary and Aaron, his brother and his sister. And they start having a critical attitude toward this. Folks, I'm telling you, you can take this and put it in your own life. You can take this and put it on your job. You can take this and put it in your church. When we fall in, and, and that critical attitude is going to come out to the closest. Ooh. Everybody good? See, here's the thing. Tabitha, I'm not going to be critical of, well, let's just go the church across the street. Okay, they're the closest to us. You know why I'm not going to be critical of them? I don't have any relationship with them. But who I will be critical is right here in Harvest. Because the critical attitude will always come out when those who you're closest to. And, and if that's you, and if that's me, we've got some changing to do. We've got some quitting to do. <laughs> Go to Matthew chapter 7. Everybody good? I know it's, these are tough. There's not a whole lot of... We just had that amazing service and people laid all over the floor and now you're... Man, what a buzzkill. <laughs> but you know, God still wants us to grow. If, ever, if that's all we got out of today, there's not very much growth in that. There's a whole lot of healing. There's a whole lot of deliverance. but There's not a whole lot of growth. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. I love the message, you all know. And yes, I know, it's a paraphrase. Uh, don't pick on people. Sometimes you got to let things settle. He says, don't pick on people jump on their failures or criticize their faults unless you of course want to be want the same treatment for all of you purist judge not lest you be judged that's what that verse says he says don't pick on people don't criticize their thoughts or don't jump on their failures criticize their faults unless you want the same treatment the critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. I'm, I'm, I, I developed this critical spirit. And so I'm being critical of everything Sydney does. She grew up half her life thinking I was anyhow. And, and so I'm, I'm criticizing, I'm criticizing, I'm criticizing. And all of a sudden, Dee starts criticizing me. Why? Because that's exactly the type of person I've been. I'm just... We, we, we see, we, we get so carried away in charismatic world when we start talking about sowing and reaping that we think it's all about money. Sowing and reaping is not all about money. He says, whatsoever you sow, that's how you also reap. So if I'm just being critical all the time of, of Sydney, guess what? Somebody who's real close to me is going to pay the favor in return. So how critical are we of our, of our families? Verse, uh, what verse were we on? Oh, critical spirit is the way of boomeranging. It's easy to see the smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. See easier see the speck in someone else's eye. He said, do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? For this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again. I love the message. What is it? It's the whole traveling roadshow. It's playing the holier than thou part. Instead of just living your own part. Wipe the ugly sneer off your face and you might be fit to offer to wash another <laughs> to to offer a washcloth to your neighbor folks you know what the word says is an unruly member say that again the tongue all of these series so far has been about how i control my speech when dealing with god and others He said, how dare you offer to get something off somebody else's face, but you got this, this on yours? How dare you offer to get the speck out of my eye when you got a beam sticking out of yours or a plank, King James says. When we develop a critical attitude, we, we, it's like we, we forget what we look like. We forget that my fault's. And I'll I'll, and 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 see it's easy, Rachel, to forget my faults if all I do is focus on Tyler's. Forget that I have things in my life to change, Jeff, if I just focus on him. Because let's be real honest, right? How many of you like to say, look in the mirror and say, "You got to get your act together. You got some things going wrong. You got some things happening." And all God's trying to let us know here is you have to stop with the critical attitude before you end up finding this judgment of yourself. Here's the problem with a critical attitude is first off, it spreads. Critical attitudes never stay with one person. Why? Because misery loves company. So if I'm miserable and I'm just constantly being critical and I'm constantly being critical, you know what? I need to make sure that everybody understands how wrong Tyler is. That's what you get for taking a day off, huh? <laughs> so I'm going go to I'm gonna sit. Listen, you know my son-in-law, Tyler? Let me tell you about him. He ain't as good as you think he is. He, he, he's got everybody fooled. Comes in, smiles, talks to anybody. He's got everybody fooled. You don't know what kind of... See, what am I doing? I'm, I'm all of a sudden... I'm, I won't change her mind. I'm going over here to change his mind because a critical attitude spreads it happened with Miriam and Aaron she started criticizing Moses because he married a woman outside his race and then then Aaron jumped on the same boat here's the problem this critical attitude can spread throughout a job throughout a family throughout a church faster than one of the biggest things I have ever seen it's it's like a super spreader event my thing is, is I try to avoid people who are critical. Say hi and move on. Numbers, go back to Numbers 12.1. It says, that when they were at Hazareth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. <laughs> Miriam, I, I, I just keep, you don't understand who Miriam is. This is the woman who followed Moses in the little boat his mom built him. Followed to see who picked him up. Then went and talked to Pharaoh's daughter and said, I know a lady who's lactating. I can take this baby back to her. This was Miriam. She is vital to Moses' story. She was vital to Moses' life. She worked out the deal with Pharaoh's daughter. She, she worked out the deal that. When she stood in front of the, the waters, when they parted, she's the one that led all the women into singing and dancing. She was known as the prophetess, and yet she struggled with a critical spirit. I want to say this. Just because somebody has some things going wrong in their life does not negate the call of God on their life. Oh, come on. Well, I don't think... That Jody should be this because this is what Jody really is. See, we, we get this idea that the anointing and the calling of God on someone's life means God has put his stamp of approval on everything they've done. God doesn't put his stamp of approval on everything, but it doesn't mean, because, you know, the word says that the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God is never sorry he called Jody. And whatever you know about Jody doesn't change the fact that God still works through Jody. Mm. Miriam's considered a prophetess. But here she stands. Go to Ephesians 4. I hope I'm giving you, I hope you're getting this the way I got it. This is tough. I had some guests here last week and they said next time I come I'll wear steel toes. I'm... I said, give us two or three weeks. It's not always this rough. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 from the Passion. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. Somebody needs to read that first two words real loud. And? Try it again. And? So when should I let ugly or hateful words come out of my mouth? Just keep looking straight ahead. Never. Can you imagine a group of people who will catch this spirit of I'm not going to allow ugly or hateful words come out of my mouth. And matter of fact, I want to go so far as then when Ted comes into my office on Wednesdays like he does every Wednesday. Because that's the only day he's in the office. Uh, <laughs> we'll fix that eventually. Uh. When he comes into my office, and he's, oh man, he starts running so-and-so down, that I'm going to say, hmm, you got an office next door. (laughs) Go to work. (laughs) We stop. But see, we don't do that. What do we do? We sit and listen. Why? Because a critical spirit spreads. It's easy to take on a critical spirit. But I like what the passion says here. And never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. But instead, that means there's something else you have to replace those with. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others to do this by speaking words of grace to help them. The Holy Spirit, verse 30. The ho- now, I'll jump down to verse 31. We'll, we'll read these a little bit out of order. Verse 31. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, <laughs> revenge, profanity, and insults. Well, these are things that you and I, you and I, have to get out of our lives. If we really want to move forward with what God wants to do and be happy in it, we have to lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. Verse 30. And the Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Holy Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. What grieves God? What grieves the Holy Spirit? Now, if you've been in a Pentecostal world for very long, we are convinced, but not me because I know where I grew up. It wasn't Pentecostal. Uh, we're convinced those people who don't let the Holy Spirit move, they're grieving the Holy Spirit. Those people who don't believe in praying in tongues, they're grieving the Holy Spirit. Those people who don't believe in laying hands on people and seeing people fall out, they're grieving the Holy Spirit. That's not what grieves the Holy Spirit, folks. you got to read this. What grieves the Holy Spirit are the words that I choose when I start talking about someone. Uh See, this is what brings grief to him. And imagine a church who would quit looking at the faults of others and just say, yes, I know they're not perfect. Yes, I know they don't have it together. Yes, I know they're doing something that I wouldn't do. But you know what? There's still a good this and there's still a good that and there's still this in them and there's still that in them. And you know what? I choose to talk about the good in someone rather than being critical of the bad in them. Imagine a family. Hmm. What their children would be if they grew up this way. Pastor Dave, imagine a church. That would start acting like that. That we refuse to grieve the Holy Spirit by how we talk about others. That we don't get into this trap of running someone down, talking about their faults. He said, and the Holy Spirit who has sealed you, right, in Christ... Until you experience the full salvation. So never grieve the Holy Spirit or take for granted his influence in our lives. And the next verse we just read. Lay aside bitter words. Temper tantrums. Revenge. Profanity and insults. Back to Numbers 12.2. Numbers 12.2. And they said, has the Lord not spoken to, only spoken through Moses. Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. You know what the real problem for these guys was? It really wasn't the the fact that he married that Cushite woman. The real fact, the real problem to them was, is Moses was getting the attention they craved. Well, God talks to me too. He don't just talk to Pastor Brent. And Pastor Brent is glad he talks to you too. But here was the real reason. They began to be critical because he was the leader. He was the one in attention, the getting attention that they wanted. Oh my goodness. And so that's what happened. And it happens to us. Well, we're nothing important. I'm, you know, it's such, such silliness. And we can have a critical attitude to our boss. If I, how do you know? Because I've heard this. Well, if I was in charge, I wouldn't do it that way. Come on. Critical spirit. Well, I, you know, <laughs> and the real issue is they have something we want. We, we become critical of people when we're not, oh, Who do I look at for this? We become critical of people when we're not happy with who we are. And it's easier to talk about James just because I'm unhappy with how I am. And so I look at James and I just start criticizing everything I know about James and everything about James. This, go to Romans (laughs) 2. Is this making sense? Something else to work on, Lana. (laughs) Because it is so easy. Genesis, not Genesis, Romans chapter 2, verse 1, from the message says, and those people are on a dark spiral downward. But if you think that leaves you on the high ground, where you can point fingers at others, think again. Every time you criticize someone, you condemn yourself. Who heard Aaron and Miriam's criticism? It says, and the Lord heard them. I love this. He says, every time you criticize someone else, you condemn yourself. It takes one to know. That's why I like the message. It takes one to know one. Judgmental criticism of others is a well-known way of escaping detection of your own crimes and misdemeanors. So why are, we, why are we falling into this? Because we're insecure in ourselves. Folks, you need to find your security in Christ and not in how much you are recognized by others. And when I can get that, Emily, that I'm okay with me in Christ, I won't try to work so hard and judge someone else so hard because I know I'm okay. I told you about that video years ago. A little girl was trying to buckle herself in her car seat. And her dad says, you want me to help you? She said, no, thank you. Well, here, let me help you. No, thank you. Oh, you need some help? And finally, the little girl says, you worry about yourself. <laughs> that's, been a, that's been a theme of mine, Kevin. I just need to worry about me. If I can handle, I've got enough to work on. Jesus is, and the Holy Spirit and the Father has, have enough in me to, for me to work on me, Brenda. I don't have time to worry about what's going on with you. Now, when we develop a, a stronger relationship and God says, hey, see, so what you give sin up front. Uh, and we, we get closer and then God may say, hey, help her along in this. But until then, I need to worry about me. Uh, go to the next verse there, uh. He says, but God isn't, isn't so easily diverted. He sees right through such smoke screens and holds you to what you've done. You didn't think, did you, that just by pointing your finger at, at others, you would distract God from seeing your misdoings and from coming down on you hard? Or do you think that because he's such a nice God, he'd let you off the hook? Oh, my. You better think this one through from the beginning. God is kind, but he's not soft. And in kindness, he takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into radical life change. That's where he wants to put us. Here's the next thing I want you to know. Not only does a critical attitude spread, and we're almost done. Not only does a critical attitude spread, but it doesn't sit well with God. Verse 4 of Numbers 12. Verse 4 of Numbers 12. So immediately the Lord called Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, Go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. The Lord descended in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam called and they stepped forward. What's one say? And the Lord heard them. Now God's calling them on the carpet. He said, Step forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I the Lord would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams. But not to my servant Moses. Of all my house, he's the one I trust. Ouch. I speak to him, one of my this is another one of my favorites, Jody. Face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is, so why were you not afraid to criticize my servant, Moses? Y'all good? He said, you should have been afraid. Man, Lana, what if that became us? That we're just afraid. Not a fear. I mean, like... But what if it just said, I'm afraid to talk and criticize Greg? That's just, God's got his hand on him. God's doing something in his life. Is he perfect? No. Is he going to do it right all the time? Ruth says, no. <laughs> but I'm, I don't want to, I, me and God, I'm going to stick with me and God. We're going to be good. So you do you, boy. <laughs> you do you. And when God tells me to say, hey, go have this conversation with Greg, then me and him will have a different conversation. But until that time, you worry about yourself. He said, why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? And the Lord was very angry with them. Now remember, anger doesn't mean that he wants to hurt them. I have kids in this room. I have been angry with them a time or two. But that doesn't mean I don't love them. Anger and love Come on. And he departed, and the cloud moved from the tabernacle, and there stood Miriam. See, this is why we know it started with Miriam, because it didn't affect Aaron. And there stood Miriam, her skin white as snow from the lepros- from leprosy. And Aaron saw what happened, and he cried out to Moses, the very one he criticized. Pastor Dave, I tell you, I don't know how many times I've been at the receiving end of criticism, but the moment something goes wrong in someone's life, they say, call Pastor Brent. Call Pastor Brent. I've had him even say, if something's going on in my life, don't call anyone else. So the first person you call, (laughs) come on. They had to go back to the very one they criticized. Oh, my master. Oh, this is a different story. (laughs) Oh, my master, please don't punish us. Moses had nothing to do with this. (laughs) Please don't punish us for this sin we have foolishly committed. Well, what sin did they commit? A critical spirit. So if we find ourselves being critical, Guess what we also find ourselves doing? I know it's a curse word in today's world. Sin, Galen. It's sin. Everybody say sin. See, it didn't hurt. It's sin. He said, forgive us for this sin we have foolishly committed. Verse, whatever verse we're going into. 12. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby already decayed at death. All for criticizing. You can read the rest of it. It doesn't just end there. God's a good God. What happens is everything's supposed to bring us back. Go, if you will, to Romans chapter 14 and we're going to close with this scripture. I hope this puts a different thought in our minds about being critical. Next week, I'll go ahead and tell you we're going to look at another thing that we need to quit in this place is we need to quit comparing ourselves to each other or anyone else. It's going to be I quit comparing. If you can quit comparing yourself and putting everybody else on a pedestal and realize who you are in Christ, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. Why do you criticize and pass judgment on your brother? Or, or you, why do you look down or despise your brother? For we shall stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me. Every tongue shall confess to God, acknowledge him to his honor and his praise. And so each of you shall give account for himself. Give an answer in reference to judgment to God. What did he start out with? Go to verse 10 again. Why do you criticize and pass judgment? And then he says, you'll give an account. You mean God's going to kick me out of heaven? Nope. But you'll give an account for the critical words. You'll give an account for the critical words. Oh. You mean I <laughs> Let Verse 13. Let us not criticize one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block or a source of temptation in another believer's way. Put it simply. Mind yours. Stop the sin of being critical. This is hard because again, it always comes out to the person who is closest to you or the person who is in direct spiritual authority or the boss. And so we become critical. And when we become critical, does that mean they're going to get everything right? No. But you know what we got to do for them, Brenda? Pray. Pray. And pray with an open heart because you might find that God changes your mind rather than their behavior God forbid but when we start being critical it spreads and as you saw right there it doesn't sit well with God so as we continue to add to this month's challenge I quit making excuses I quit complaining now quit being critical Start walking through, walking in love the way God has called us to walk. Man, do you realize critical? My mic went out, didn't it? When I quit being critical, you know how much happier I got? You know why? Because I wasn't trying to find fault with everything. I finally just said, "Hey, if Denise is going to be silly, then Denise is going to be silly. And that's just the way it is. Are we good? If we don't grow, then I'm not a shepherd. If it doesn't challenge us, I'm not a shepherd. Everybody says, Ryan, that they want meat. Give us meat, give us meat. Until they choke out on it. (laughs) Because we think the meat of the word is some super spiritual thing. When the meat of the word challenges you, to change who you are. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are. Father, let your word change us. Let your word cause me to be a different person. I don't want to be critical anymore, and I don't want to complain anymore, and I quit making excuses about it, so I guess I just have to say I quit. I quit. And Father, help me. Remind me. Show me when my mouth has gotten ahead of me show me when I've gotten way out there and I need to bring it in because I do not want to sit in that judgment. In Jesus name. Amen.